When you see a political advertisement, talk with your kids about, like, ask, ask them what they, what they think the creators are trying to make people think or do. Talk about who paid for it. Like, what are their interests? What emotions are they trying to conjure up and use to try to get you to do what they want you to do? See, this is how we talk about this stuff versus just like knee-jerking and angry. Tell kids that, you know, fear-mongering and just uh, angst and flipping out over certain things and pulling on people's heartstrings, that's all tried-and-true election strategies. Let them know that. Like when they see that stuff, like why are they so passionate about it? Why are they saying that? That seems so hard. Is that even possible that that person really wants that? They need to see that. There's a lot of manipulation going on, both sides of an issue, always. Both politicians on both sides are multiple parties. There always is. Help your kids see that kind of stuff. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, good to be with you. Hope you're having a good week so far. Hope you had a great weekend. As always, uh, we had a pretty epic Halloween celebration this year. Uh, it's uh, a neighborhood um, that loves this stuff. We live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of kids and a whole lot of people are out. In fact, there's like caravans of cars showing up. Um, we, we do like the fire pit out in the driveway, set up a little uh, bar and candy station, and we have chairs all spaced out and all. And uh, everybody was extra careful and masked up and stuff like that. But uh, it, it wasn't a whole whole lot less <laughs> kids than normal, I don't think. I mean, we don't count exactly, but it's still like hundreds and hundreds of kids, right? So, by the way, if you want to know why uh, we see Halloween the way we do and as an amazing opportunity for mission, and why it's not something I don't think Christians need to avoid, uh, check out episode number 239. It's called Halloween, Is Your Door Open for Mission? And uh, I, I probably should have reminded you of this a few weeks ago on the podcast. Sorry about that. But you can still listen to it and get ready for next year, right? Bookmark that thing. Um, I think you'll find it helpful. I had this discussion with some of the folks that we're coaching right now, people all over the world. And not every country gets into uh, Halloween and trick-or-treating the way we do. And uh, I'm always surprised at how much false information there is about the origins of Halloween and what it's about and who's celebrating what. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. So anyway, you can check out episode 239 about Halloween and learn some of what we're thinking about that. All right, listen, we had a nice review come in this week uh, through the Apple Podcast app dealio there. Um, this is from the way of Jesus, that's the name uh, on the account that says practical and helpful. I just started listening to Caesar's podcast, but have been a fan since going through the gospel primer. Thanks for that, brother. He always gives very practical, easy to use tools for making disciples listen and learn. So thanks a lot for that. I, I'm saying brother, but it could be a sister. I don't know. Way, way of Jesus. So thanks for that. And I want to invite you, if you've not yet subscribed to the show on whatever platform you're listening to, please do that. It's real easy to do. Not every platform out there does have a way to subscribe, but most do. And that way it kind of notifies you and, and some, like even on my, my phone, it'll pull them right in for you and all. Um, you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe. 
and that'll take you to a whole lot of different players, links directly to them, where you can subscribe and be a regular listener that way. Now, obviously, we post uh, every episode on our everydaydisciple.com website, um, but most people don't come to the site to listen. They listen on their phone or through some sort of a podcast listening or Spotify. That's big these days, right? Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get to our topic this week. Political talk is everywhere right now. It's on the news and it's all over social media and it's happening in person between friends and family. And most likely it's probably happening at your kitchen table too. Okay. Most of you have probably been talking about politics leading up to election day. And uh, this year it'll most likely go well beyond election night, possibly for weeks or even longer. And I, and I thought about, I could have done this episode, I guess, months ago, but if you listen to this right when the episode drops on Monday, we still got time. <laughs> and, but because it's, it's probably going to get even more heated as they try to figure out how to count the ballots and, and the mail-ins and, you know, hanging chads and all that kind of stuff. I think people are going to be really losing their mind, okay? And sometimes the way we talk about politics and the election news and reporters and especially the politicians, I, I got to tell you, it can be more detrimental than we think and it can have lifelong effects on relationships, including our own kids, now, by the way, at the end of this episode, I'll tell you how I'm going to vote for president this year, okay? So if you're interested, stick around, all right? So let me tell you a little story here. When I was a kid, I have a very visceral uh, picture in my mind being at my grandparents' house. We spent quite a bit of time at my my dad's mom and dad's house. And um, I can remember them had the old black and white TV there in the front room. And they were watching the news or something on about politics. And I can remember them just hollering and being super angry. And they said something to the effect of, the Democrats would vote for Satan himself if he ran as a Democrat. <laughs> you know? And you know, I was like, wow, that's a very strong statement. And it stuck in my head. Now, I got to be honest with you. I can't remember if they said that about Democrats or the Republicans, but kind of looking historically back, it probably was, but that's not even my point. It was so strong and they were so strong about it. And this is, you know, when there was like three stations, I think they might've got two in on their little antenna with the tinfoil on the, and you know, on the, the ear set or whatever. And uh, there was no social media. They had a party line phone, <laughs> seriously, where you shared it with the neighbor next door. And, but I still remember that them saying that so strongly and it really like affected me. And now check this out. Grown up in the Midwest, it would have not been rare or even peculiar to hear Christians commonly saying, I just don't know how you could call yourself a Christian and be a Democrat. Yeah, I don't know how you could. How can you be a Democrat and claim Christ? That's what, that's kind of, that was very common in the Midwest. But we moved out here to Tacoma, Washington, here on the West Coast in 2004, and it would not be unusual at all to hear the exact opposite. I just don't know how anyone could call themselves a Christian and be a Republican. How could you vote for these people, right? It's crazy. That's how different our own tribe and family of God can see things politically. And I'm not really here to tell you uh, which is right or wrong or how to, how to vote or any of that. Um, but I, I do want to talk about the ways we talk about politics and how it affects our kids, 
It's in specific, but you'll see this this goes well beyond kids. So if you're listening and you don't have kids, uh, listen up anyway, because about 98% of this is going to hit your heart the same, I think. Now, as I get into this, here's a quick reminder. Remember that our government is not the church, nor is it run like a church. And so why would we expect and then get freaked out by things not looking like a bunch of really mature disciples of Jesus are running things for us? Right, The church doesn't even agree on things and run churches and denominations the same way. And just like I don't expect my little kids to make decisions as if they were me or very mature and wise, I don't think it's helpful or balanced to come from a position where we expect top politicians to run our country like it's heaven come to earth. And I know some people think that's the job of the church, is we're to vote in governments that, that will bring heaven to earth. I don't think you can find any evidence for that in Scripture. <laughs> I just don't. And some of you are going to disagree with me and want to write in, and maybe you can school me. We can learn. We can be smarter together, right? Um, now, that being said, here's a few things that I do want to sort of point out from Scripture. In Romans 13, 1, Paul says, For there's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So when, when, when Paul wrote this, the, the godless Nero was the emperor. Horrible guy historically, just horrible. And since he obviously fell far short of being a perfect and godly ruler, we have to see that there must be no exceptions to this principle that Paul lays down for us. Namely, that God has ordained government authority as part of his plan for this earth. Now, we, that, that's mystery to us. We go, how could that be? How's that possible? But listen, here, it's right here in Scripture, right? Here's Daniel's testimony to both Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, it was very consistent and clear. He says, the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whoever he wishes. You can go look that up in Daniel 4. There's a bunch on that. And Jesus himself told Pilate in John 19, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. So we've got plenty of Old and New Testament evidence that God's authority is above all rulers. And he has always chosen to bring about his glory through very imperfect people, right? Think about Abraham, David, many of the prophets, you and I. If God didn't use imperfect people, and in some cases, from our perspective, like really not great, then who would he work with? See, and that's that whole, you know, choosing, you know, the unwise <laughs> to be wise and choosing the, you know, the low to be the high. This is part of God showing his glory and that he's ultimately the one in control. So let's get into a little bit about how to talk to your kids about politics and, and, and politicians. And I've got uh, five different things I'm going to give you here. Um, but let me just say this. It's never too late, really, or too early to get started talking about politics or change your ways in how you've addressed it in your life, in your home, with your kids. In a, in a 2016 survey conducted by uh, Care.com, nearly 90% of parents who didn't discuss politics with their kids said it was because they were too young to understand. But I read this, this uh, professor, Judith Myers Wall, she's a PhD, she's a professor of child development at, at Purdue University. She says the first stage of they just don't get it doesn't last all that long. Children as, as young as three have some understanding about most of what we're talking about. And I know that to be true for my own kids. And Tina and I now are raising 
grandkids, and we've got a three-year-old and an almost four-year-old and coming up on a one-year-old and a brand-new baby. And they do. Those two oldest boys, Panton and, and Caesar Five, they pick up on everything. If we barely even raise our voice or have an edge to it about something, Panton wants to know why we're being mean. Why are you being mean, Grandpa? Oh, I'm not being mean, buddy. I was just raising my voice. <laughs> or I'm just excited, you know, or whatever. It could be about nothing, not even politics, but they, are, they know more than you think. So here's a few tips on the right way to talk about politics with your kids. First, don't shove your political views down their throats. And I, I know that as parents, we want to transmit a value system to our kids, right? For most of us, the idea of our children switching from blue to red or vice versa is pretty scary. And maybe we find it even unacceptable. I, I know a lot of families divide over this stuff. Please don't do that. I think that what we want to do is seek to help our kids grow like their political literacy, like coupled with their gospel fluency, right? Equipping, equipping our children to make considered rational choices from a place of integrity and the gospel, regardless of whether they adopt our specific political party and beliefs, that should be our goal, right? Let's not, you know, teach them, not give them a fish, let's teach them to fish. So, so let's, let's have that sort of as a baseline, all right, let's have that as a baseline. We don't have to just try to indoctrinate our kids to believe what we believe. Let's teach them how to think and have integrity and think through the lens of the gospel. All right, next, second thing, don't confuse your passion for vitriol. You know that word vitriol? It's like cruel and bitter criticism, like where we're just meh, like we're just hard, right? Don't confuse your passion for that. Oftentimes when we're freaking out and hollering at some politician or news commentator on the TV, we try and sort of hide, you know, what's really going on and hide behind our very negative and even hateful speech by saying that this is just so important and that we're just so passionate about this issue. Well, author Dr. Laura Markham says it's important to support the principle of free speech, but when our kids see public discourse that's disrespectful in tone, they learn that we adults are not actually serious when we tell them that they should be kind and respectful. Ooh, that really hits hard. And that kind of hits home for me, right? We're always like, hey, you know, like we raised our kids, like don't say something unless it's nice, necessary, or true. We used to have that on the refrigerator. Like, like don't say things unless they're nice, necessary, or true. And we had to return to that daily often <laughs> with our kids. And we say those kind of things, and we look at Scripture, and, we and it talks about gentleness and how Jesus was and all these things. But then if, if our discourse, especially like now in this sort of election season, is really dis disrespectful in tone, what are our kids really getting? Like, what are they really thinking? Okay? And that kind of brings me to my third point is, you know, don't gossip, right? Like, gossip's a very real thing, and it's sin, right? Scripture teaches that clearly. See, it's not okay just because someone is a public figure or running for office or on TV to sit and just hack them and, and act like we know their heart and every one of their motives and everything reported about them must be accurate and be a perfect lens into their soul and their heart and their intentions, right? Scripture warns against all that, right? Matthew 5, 21, Jesus says, you've heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder, he says, if you commit murder, you're going to be subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call him an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. If you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Wow, that is so strong. 
I don't want to be guilty of that. And I don't want to be modeling that to my kids. Like, but in this category, it's okay. Or because I don't know them. See, we, we tend to think that gossip is just like talking behind someone's back that we know, right? Oh, uh, this, that, that, this or that, right? My mentor in life, Pastor Johnny, said gossip is speaking about someone when they're not there that you're neither part of the problem nor the solution. And it's really served us well. Now, you might say, well, I, I, I'm going to talk about I am part of the solution because we get to vote. Well, then, but you don't have to talk negatively and weird about it, right? That's where it gets into gossip. In other words, I can mention somebody in my life and say, hey, you know, so-and-so just got a new job. I'm really stoked for them, and I'm glad that they got that. That's not negative. That's not gossip. But when we're just like, just hacking and hacking and hacking. I know my my son-in-law and I lately, we've been talking about this and that and the other, uh, you know, things that are on the news and what's been going on politically. And my daughter, Kristen, she's like, I don't even want to hear any of that. I don't even want to hear it, which is partly the issues at hand, but it's also, I sort of fear and have to confess, it's probably some of our tone, right? Let's not gossip and somehow whitewash it because it's someone on TV or a politician. Still sin. Okay, next. Um, Teach your kids not to believe everything they hear, okay? Okay. I read an article that was written this summer by author Gail Corwall, and uh, it was really good about this whole topic. And, um, you know, offering reassurance and optimism to our kids doesn't mean creating dummies, right? But children need to know they can't take everything they hear about politics at face value, right? So we don't discount everything, and we certainly don't just pick and choose certain channels of TV or social media and then act like that's gospel. Talk about elections in general. Are they popularity contests? Are they about ideas, a little of both? What role do race and gender play in this issue or this politician's stance or this election, right? Maybe introduce kids to political cartoons and how social media is really a powerful and not necessarily trusted way to gain our insight into, into these types of things. And, and talk about the impact of polls on campaign momentum and things like that. We know from the last presidential election here in the United States that uh, the polls aren't always very accurate, right? They're not always very accurate. We're about to see what happens here. Well, at the time, this will be dropping tomorrow, but I don't think we're going to find out that quick, okay? When you see a political advertisement, talk with your kids about, like, ask, ask them what they, what they think the creators are trying to make people think or do. Talk about who paid for it. Like, what are their interests? What emotions are they trying to conjure up and use to try to get you to do what they want you to do? See, this is how we talk about this stuff versus just like knee-jerking and angry. Tell kids that, you know, fear-mongering and just uh, angst and flipping out, you know, over certain things and pulling on people's heartstrings, that's all tried and true election strategies. Let them know that. Like when they see that stuff, like why are they so passionate about it? Why are they saying that? That seems so hard. Is that even possible that that person really wants that? You know, like they're going to cancel every bit of health care. They're going to cancel. Old people are going to all go to, you know, what? Really? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. And, and that's not just the case for ads, but for candidate speeches too. When, you know, when kids watch an interview or maybe watch the debate with you, point out when a candidate doesn't answer the question, right? And they just kind of avoid it or they circle back to their talking points. Help them see that. 
like both sides, right? Explain how politicians use like, you know, something like a scarecrow to distract attention from the important issues and, you know, and to try to rally their base. They need to see that. There's a lot of manipulation going on, both sides of an issue, always. Both politicians on both sides are multiple parties. There always is. Help your kids see that kind of stuff. And here's the biggest opportunity in all of this. It really is. Don't miss this. Talk about the thing behind the thing connected to issues or strong political statements that you hear in the news and from politicians and from others around you. You know, how come, how come Uncle, you know, Bob's always flipping out on this? Or we were over the other day and Grandpa was going nuts, right? Like, talk about the thing behind the thing. What are they believing about people or this country or who's ultimately in authority, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago? What will really change this issue? Like, discuss those things with your kids. Because is it, is it just, is everything super simple and black and white? We know it's not. Remember, everything is a heart issue, and our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. Those are, you know, like it or not, those politicians on both sides of the aisle, that's brothers and sisters. Those are image bearers that God created, and we get to treat them with respect as humans, as image bearers, even if we don't agree or respect some of their choices or policies or whatever, right? All right, here's another thing to kind of remember. No government will give us the life we want or fix every societal ill. It's never going to happen. It's, just, just, it's not. We get to be a part of this ourselves, and God is accomplishing the restoration of all things and filling the world with his glory when we, his kids, Christians, live as disciples of Jesus, and we focus our lives on making more disciples of Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's our greatest and highest call. Jesus gave us that. Jesus is the glory of God and our only hope for glory. That's what Paul tells us, right? We get to explain to our kids that all the messed up stuff in this world and in our countries will never be solved by governments, but rather by the gospel changing hearts and therefore lives and families and culture, society, and nations. That's how God is bringing about the restoration of all things through disciples making disciples of Jesus, who is the glory of the Father and our only hope of glory. That's big. See how that flips the whole thing. We're not avoiding topics. We're just staying rooted in the truth, what our true calling is and where our hope lies. And then last, and I, you know, this might just sound like, oh, yeah, of course, but you know, I want to really encourage you Pray with your kids for our leaders and the outcome of, the, of this election and every election. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 2 that we should pray for kings and those in authority. And he goes on, he says, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Wow, that's beautiful. Pray for kings and those in authority so you can have a, a nice, tranquil, godly life with dignity. Notice who that's directed at, us. We pray for our leaders to gain a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. I love it. And that doesn't sound anything like freaking out and howling at the TV and slandering and gossiping about people just because they happen to be, you know, a politician or whatever, or they, some people we know who have opposing views to ours or lighten someone up on Facebook or other social media, right? Yeah. 
So please, like, like hold hands around the table. When you're thanking God for your food, pray for our elected officials. Pray for those running for office. Pray for our hearts to be able to see the thing behind the thing and really understand the gospel issues behind everything. That's our hope. That's our hope of glory. Now, in closing, I just want to say, I recently heard author Oz Guinness say something about, he said something to the effect of, when we don't get involved in any aspect of society in a meaningful way, we're left with having to choose between the lesser of two evils. And I know in these election times, many of you, I, I know I have felt this way in recent elections, feel like that's, that's my choice. I'm trying to choose between the lesser of two evils. And so I want to say, get out there and vote. Even if you're hearing this and it's like, you know, and you're in America and it's Tuesday, you know, and it's the election day and you're like, I'm not going to vote. What's it matter? It's never, it does matter. God has ordained that we would live in a country where we do get to vote. We do get to have a voice. It's not where we put all our hope, but it is a privilege and a right that's been extended to us as grace. And so I want to encourage you to vote and, and, not, hopefully, not just be stuck with the lesser of two evils forever. I don't want that anymore. So I want to encourage you, get out there and vote, all right? Now, as always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. This can be hard to condense down to three things, but I think I got you here. Now, if nothing else, I don't want you to miss these three things. And by the way, as always, you can get a printable PDF of this week's big three as a free download. All you have to do is go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three, and boop, it'll send to you, and you, you can have these. So if these really sum up some things or you want to talk to others about this, right, here you go. So here's the first thing. Remember that our God alone is sovereign and rules every country and its leaders. He already knows the future laid out for us, for his greatest glory and our ultimate good. When we speak and act like a single election, or vote is going to determine the fate of our futures, we're showing our unbelief in God's authority and his goodness. Mm -hmm. Second, practicing your gospel fluency with your children is always a good way to approach a topic. Help your kids see the thing behind the thing in what politicians and newscasters and others are saying. What is the real issue and where does their hope really lie? Ask these questions in connection to an issue, policy, or a protest. Ask these questions. Who is God, and what is his character like in connection to this topic? Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's sovereign, he's loving, he's powerful, he's generous, he's patient, right? Like, like connect the dots to that. What's his character like in connection to this issue or this policy? Next, ask what has he done in and throughout history that shows us this is consistently true of him? And how does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection speak to our ultimate hope and his willingness to care for us? Then ask, what does all of that about God and Jesus say is true for us and our identity, authority, and privilege? And that leads to asking, how do we get to respond in light of all these truths? That'll serve you. It really will. That'll serve you well. And it, it, I, instead of just avoiding the conversation or speaking ill of people, whatever, this allows us to practice the gospel and see the thing behind the thing from God's perspective. And third, 
Spend more time praying together as a family for the politicians and elections we're privileged to have a vote in. Don't believe everything you hear or read. Always seek to educate yourself from both sides of an issue and let prayer guide your response. In all of this, you can help your children to develop a gospel-centered approach to our government and politics and develop rational opinions and choices from a place of integrity and faith. And that, that's the kind of kids we want to raise, right, when it comes to this. So I hope that's helpful. I hope you uh, find that good and give you some ways forward. And um, that's not only for, you know, this week, um, but in the weeks ahead as we kind of sort through all that's happening. But even in the years and elections ahead, we have lots of elections, right? So now, as I promised you that I would tell you how I was going to vote for president this year, here it is. I voted by early mail-in ballot. That's how Tina and I both voted. I never said I was going to tell you who I voted for. I was going to tell you how, okay? That's how I voted. Yeah, they send it to me, we fill it out, and then we go in and we put it in a Dropbox, okay? <laughs> All right. Hey, that's about it for today. Join me next week. I'll be talking with my friend and amazing author, Neil Cole. He's written some pretty watershed books on discipleship and missional living. I bet you've read some of them. And he's going to talk to us about prayer and finding ways for ordinary people to connect with God in all of life. Man, I love that. Okay, you're going to love him and you're going to love this episode. So I hope you'll join us for that. I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.